So today I'm going to talk to Tadas Visconta about his post on why buying a luxury car is unlikely to materially boost your happiness. And Tadas, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I've written on it. He actually put a little piece of mine in here. So what was the, the impetus for writing this one? You know, it just happened to be the case that for whatever reason, I saw a bunch of posts uh, kind of all on the same related topic. So uh, whenever I see that, I always take that as an opportunity to write my own post. So so it's it, I've seen some crazy stats lately, and I, I think I, f- I first worked off of anecdotes on this because I kept feeling I was seeing SUVs everywhere. And it kind of makes sense. Both of us are in the Midwest, and it would make sense we see SUVs for being, you know, having the snow and getting through all that stuff. But the Wall Street Journal put out a uh, piece last year, and they said less than five years ago, new vehicle sales were split between cars and trucks and SUVs. And today, the share of cars has slipped below a third. And so it's close to like two thirds or 70% of all new car sales are either SUVs or trucks. And I don't know about you, but I've looked recently because we had to get a new car in the last year, and SUVs and trucks are expensive. <laughs> and so it's it's crazy to me when I see them driving around the road and I look and I think like this person is driving this expensive SUV. I don't want to be a, a spend shamer, but I, I wonder how much they're spending versus what they're saving on these things. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, there's a very good reason why Ford essentially got out of the car business to focus on SUVs. I mean, I think, you know, all, all the indications are that these are higher margin products for the auto manufacturers and, you know, I think there, you know, there certainly are some practical reasons why somebody might want to drive an SUV. I mean, anybody with a larger family or like you said, there are certain conditions under which an SUV might be preferable. Uh, but, man, you know, it certainly comes at a high price. And you mentioned that in your post from last year. It's not just the, the price to drive the car off the lot. Um, you know, once you, you start then you start taking into account the, you know, uh, fuel mileage and gas and insurance and depreciation. And, you know, God forbid you actually do have to do some maintenance on the car. Uh, I think that's really kind of the the thing that people uh, might get wrong about these sorts of decisions is they look at the sticker price and maybe they look at their, uh, you know, if they have to take out a loan or, a, or to lease the car, they look at that monthly nut, but they really don't take into account all of the costs involved. And the problem is it's a depreciating asset and so I think the three main categories of debt for most people, the biggest ones would be taking out a mortgage or your house, housing debt, student loan debt, and then car debt. And the thing with student loans and housing, at least you have an asset coming there. So student loans can hopefully help increase your earning potential. A house is an asset that, and it's also a roof over your head. The car probably depreciates by, some would say, 20 to 30% right when you drive it off the lot. And the problem with a lot of people is they're not they're not driving them nearly as long as they're, it's sort of an asset liability mismatch. So, so the Fed actually has data on this and they show that the average new car loan is being financed at close to 67 months. And so it's somewhere between, you know, more than five, it's like five to six years. Some people are even going seven years on a new car loan. And a lot of times I think they're not even staying in the car that long. So you're getting this depreciating asset that you're borrowing over a longer period of time and constantly trying to trade up. And I think what happens is you end up spending more and more money. And again, I don't, I don't want to spend shame people, but I think, uh, so I, I drop my kids off at daycare every morning and I, I see these like decked out SUVs with the black tire rims and you know, the tinted windows and the really nice packages. And I, some, some part of me would like to ask them like, 
are you saving for your child's 529 plan? <laughs> Couldn't you yeah. go down a little bit? And, and I, it's, it's tough because a lot of times, especially with kids, you need an SUV. But I, but I think, isn't it almost a good sign of someone who's probably building wealth that they drive something like a Honda Accord or something that is just can, can last them longer and maybe is just more high quality than as opposed to luxury? Well, I think one of the things that's not stated in this discussion is that cars, um, you know, across the board, uh, the quality has risen over the past 10, 20, 30 years. Right. You know, cars, cars last longer. And even, you know, what we might call uh, mainline brands, you know, you mentioned a Honda Accord. Those cars last forever. I mean, it's not the case that a 10 year old uh, Honda Accord or Toyota Camry is ready for the junkyard. In fact, that car might have another 10 years in it if it's uh, properly maintained. So, you know, it's it's the the irony is is really stark. And I think you're right. You know, I live in a relatively affluent suburb as well. And, you know, I see this all the time in terms of, you know, the vehicles that get driven. And frankly, you know, the most people are that are, you know, the most people um, are driving or a couple of miles from, you know, to school or work and back every day. And, you know, we're essentially it's overkill for a lot of people what they're driving. Yeah, I I would have loved to stick with something like a sedan. Uh, we have three young kids, and that means three car seats. So I actually tried to convince my wife that I could make a Honda Accord work, but uh, it didn't work. So I ended up with a with an Explorer. But you see these these really nicer luxury brands. I mean, some of the sticker prices for these things could be seventy, eighty, ninety grand, and it's insane to me. You know, I, I, again, if if someone's maxing out their retirement accounts and they're saving for their five twenty nine for their kids or whatever it is. You know, go have fun with your car, but I think a lot of people maybe they're they don't realize the choice they're making and how much money they could be saving on this fixed expense. And so, someone sent me some numbers. Uh, uh, one of my readers saying that 85% of new car purchases are financed, but only 54% of used car ones. And I think that is maybe something that people people who are having a hard time saving could look to to go to something like a one or two year old used car that maybe has been leased, and you don't have to eat that initial depreciation when you drive off the lot right away. And that's a way to save, you know, a few hundred dollars a month potentially that you could then save for retirement or a house down payment or some other goal that you don't have to just eat it on your car payment. Yeah, you know, it's you know, all of these discussions around personal finance, and you've written a lot on this, it's really about trade-offs. And, you know, like you said, you can draw, you know, you can get a, a car off lease, um, you know, either off of a two or a three-year lease which is essentially, you know, for all intents and purposes, pretty close to brand new. And you, like you said, you can, um, you can save a pretty, a pretty fair amount on that monthly payment and still be driving uh, a car that you feel comfortable with and that you know is going to start every morning when it's time to go to work. And, you know, I think that it's really about those trade-offs. And, you know, kind of the point of my post was, you know, you know, everybody would would prefer to drive a luxury car. You know, all else being equal, um, you know, the fact is, you know, those cars are, in a certain sense, uh, in a certain respect, better. So we'd all, you know, we'd all like to drive um, the BMWs and the Mercedes of the world, sure. Who, um, but it all comes at a, at a trade off, and you know, after that, uh, new car smell wears off, and that initial. Uh, buzz of driving, you know, putting that new car in the garage and uh, talking to the neighbors about it. Um, you know, the utility of it drops off pretty quickly. And, you know, there are other things that, you know, we could be spending our money on um, that might have a much bigger effect on our bottom line and our futures than, uh, like you said, owning a depreciating, depreciating asset. And yeah, the, again, the biggest two things that I think are going to make 
the the biggest difference in people's budget and and their personal finances is getting your housing and your transportation aligned with you know your priorities and what you can afford. And it would be great if everyone could afford a huge McMansion and a luxury car. But a lot of times, doing that, especially if you do both of them and you're not saving, you know, the answer is kind of staring you right in the face as to as to why you you're falling behind in terms of your of your net worth. And so, I, I guess the the question for people is, you know, what am I? What is the point of a car? You know, some people, you know, there are, there are car people out there. I realize that 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 really want to have something nice. But it, it, again. If that's going to be your main focus, uh, then you have to cut back relentlessly everywhere else if you really want to save, I think, because cars can be really expensive. So I, it's kind of funny you talked about cars lasting longer these days. There was one that, that looked at the top 15, the list, uh, list of the top 15 cars that people own for at least 15 years, and they were all foreign brands. So half of them were Toyotas, the other half were Hondas, and then a few Nissan and Volkswagens thrown in there. So there are cars that can last a long time if you sort of let them. It just depends on on being okay driving the same car for a long time and not worrying what other people think about you. I guess. So yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that is the I think that that is the key point that you mentioned right there is not worrying what other people think. And you know, and you know, unless you're in, uh, you know, there, some people feel like if they're in a sales job or something like that, they need to have uh, you know a, a brand new spanking car to to have some sort of halo effect. Uh, but for the most of us. Frankly, nobody really cares what you're driving. Um, you know, as long as you're getting to point, you know, from point A to point B, and it's a rel, you know, it's a relatively safe vehicle that, like I said, starts up in the morning. Um, like I said, nobody really cares what you're driving in all likelihood. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks again, Todd, for getting on here again. Our main takeaway here is if you want to look for a place to save some money, if you're having a hard time saving, uh, your car is one of the first places to look. So thanks, Todd. All right. Thanks, Ben. We'll talk to you.